Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs 18 defeat the Cronulla Sharks 12. And hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans <laughs> Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm joined by Matt, like always. First win for 2021. Sorry, I'm excited. I had. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm really good, mate. Really good. It's made my week. I've been on a high since the game. Like, let's look. I'll throw out there quickly. It wasn't the greatest game of football ever. Um, but after going through first six weeks of the season without a victory, um, hung on every single minute of that game. Um, I think except for 30 seconds. But yeah, definitely hung on uh, right to the wire. Um, Cronulla may may argue they could have got a penalty at that last tackle, but we won't we go too far into that. Uh, so good to see the boys win. So good to see how emotional uh, the team was, how much it meant to everybody. Trent Barrett uh, shedding a tear or two on the sideline. Who would have thought um, a reaction like that would come from our head coach, um, the particularly a player? Ever. The go best ahead. ever performance game he's ever been involved in as a player or a coach was the Canterbury Bankstown win. That's how he summed it up at full time. That's how he so, summed it up at full time. I, I'd hazard to say it's probably his best ever win as a coach. I think maybe he got a bit over, <laughs> over, <laughs> over emotional and threw out the player stuff too because he's an um, incredible player and had a great career. Um, but, you know, um, who would have thought, the point I was going to make, who would have thought Trent Barrett would be that emotionally connected to the club? And I've been... Um, like let's let's when he was announced, I was a bit surprised, um, but I've been supporting him ever since then. I thought he's been really impressive with the run of losses, what he's saying to the media and how he's dealing with it, and uh, to see how emotional he was after the first win. Um, I tell you what, but every confidence in Trent Barrett being a, um, a successful coach at the club, if it means that much to him, <laughs> if he's that emotionally connected to it, uh, I think it's a really great sign. Yeah, it was the scenes of uh, full-time. You've got Trent Barrett uh, shedding a tear or two. You've got the interchange bench hugging. You've got the reserve players list. Uh, Jackson Topany, who was there, Christian Crichton, Jaden Knockenball, not involved in the game, hugging anyone in a Bulldogs jersey. They were they felt it on the sidelines, which that's an enormous cultural thing when you're having people like Knockenball mm. uh, and Crichton who Ockenball probably won't be in until around the July mark was the rough period of uh, return to play for him. Uh, Christian Crichton has already said that his season's over. Uh, to them to have so much investment, and then you look at the team song at full time, they're all involved as well as mm. the players in there. Uh, Jack Heverington as well, uh, beating it out as loud as he can in the middle. I saw him enjoying himself in the sheds. That is a good culture right there, having the players who are not on game day, players who are not going to be there most of this year or at all this season, mm. fill that win. They're there at every game, all of them, by the way. They're standing there, they're watching, they're riding the highs and riding the lows, and they're out there at full-time hugging the boys who played in the game. Uh, and that's, So that's another thing that I'm impressed by. They've got a really tight group, uh, which is amazing when you talk about the contract and how many players are coming off and the speculation that some of these players won't be a part of mm. the 2022 plans, but yet this year they're as tight as anything, which is enormous, which is they have to be, Which, but it's awesome yeah. that, that Trent Brown's been able to do that. You throw in how many players have joined the club this year as well. Um, yeah. And you've got, you've got that going as well. Nick Kotrick's 100th game in the NRL, so good for good night for him to bring that and up and get, get the win. 
Good yeah. try as well. Uh, Hopper Wadi turning back the clock as well. We'll get all into that a bit later. But um, how good is it? See how good has it been to see the community really ride the wave of emotion as well, really get behind the team this week. There was a sign outside Belmore Sports yeah. Ground this week saying, Mr. Barrett, we believe. And I can confess, ladies and gentlemen, Scott and I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> us. <laughs> no, no. Um, but- no, but I'll tell you what, um, it's really, really good. Like, you don't want to get too carried away with one win, and that's what it's happened. And I think if you've been looking on uh, Bulldogs' media team uh, on YouTube and stuff, I think they've got a little bit excited, a little bit carried away with the victory. Can you blame them, though? They've the had a, guy, he's I, been saw there. A, I saw a mini-movie, they called it, <laughs> released yesterday on YouTube. Yes, about, actually, I loved it. About a win. It was, it was really good, but it, I felt like it gave it too much of a... Of a podium, it's uh, it's almost like we've won a grand final, and yeah. I hope we never see a grand final played at Cogra. <laughs> Imagine if we do win a grand final, the media man, uh, the media guy, or one of the guys who does the tweets. Mm. Uh, no, I have actually worked with him in the past a little bit. Oh. Nothing overly direct. Really good guy. Uh, yeah, loves winning. Loves everything about winning. Uh, he oh, it's great has, to see. It's good. Has content. all these all these great ideas. Mm. And he's only started around the time of Dean Pay kind of started. So he got the end of mm. Des Hasler, Dean Pay, and yeah, we didn't make the finals and everything. And he's times at times when they lose five and six in a row, you've got to come up with something. Unfortunately, at full time, and you know, there's some games where you lose against the Broncos, twenty four nil, or the other last year where we lost against the Broncos at Suncorp. Mm. What do you put up there? Uh, do you say final or full time? We weren't good enough, or the Broncos were too good when they're struggling as mm. well. They have a tough job, and I bet you he's been waiting all year to post some of these stuff. He's, and finally, the cracking win. He was like, yes, I can roll this out. I've got all these ideas that he wants to share. Look, look I, I thought it was good content. I enjoyed it. Just <laughs> yeah. just saying, uh, there has been a little bit of carry on on that. But like, I'm not saying that's a negative pick. I'm just saying that's hey. what's happened. If we, power this, if we beat power, I want a oh. three-minute three video. Right, it'll be a free hour. <laughs> it's actually How the dogs beat Yeah, this whole week. <laughs> building yeah. Titans, move aside, and be building Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. Let's, uh, Scotty, I think we've gone through the emotional side, the off field side. Yeah. Maybe let's break down the game a little bit of what we saw, what we fought. Uh, for myself, I thought the first half was probably the best football we've played for the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, it wasn't a full 40 minutes performance, but it wasn't far off. Probably about a good solid 30 minutes of football there, or 28. Um, hold, to hold on for a 18 nil halftime, yeah, um, like really put us in a in a position to win the game. And as you saw, we only won by six at the end of the day, so that's the way it played out. The second half was pretty disappointing from a attacking point of view, but no surprise to say that the shining light of the game. Um, well, probably the two shining lights of the game was uh, one effort and then two, the defence. I think yeah. we saved about seven tries against the Sharks there. A couple, maybe you could blame it on the Sharks for bombing, but there was efforts like Dylan Napa in the corner for yeah. a front row saving a try and, and really Larks... Corey Allen as well. Yeah, Larks ditch efforts to just put someone's leg into touch and mm. hold somebody up and all that sort of thing. So it was really good effort and that was the shining light that saw us get the way through it's been really good to see um the players get some confidence out of it and hopefully uh going forward we won't be losing games to 
the Broncos and the Cowboys um, will be winning those games a little bit more comfortably than we did against the Sharks, purely because we've got that sort of belief. Mm, I just wanted to add, we did it a little bit of a diff- in a difficult way, losing Chris Smith early for a HIA. Uh, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong here, We I heard Chris Smith has gone down to the tunnel for a HIA, and it was pretty quickly to say that he failed the test. It felt like it was only in minutes that they've already ruled him out of the game. Mm. And then Matt Dury cops a shoulder to the head. So put this in brief perspective, not talk about the incident. We lost our back rower for the game, our starting second rower, Chris Smith. Mm-hmm. Then his replacement on the interchange bench, Matt Dury, who's playing his first NRL game for 2021, doesn't last very long. He gets an even worse head knock. Uh, you could tell straight away, he got up and credit to him, he played the ball, and then he just went sideways, for a, felt like he was walking sideways, he couldn't walk straight uh, for a while, which the Bulldogs did the right thing, obviously taking him off, and then, you know, the rest is history, they went back for the penalty, and then there was a sin bidding, uh, but not to discuss that situation much, it's just the fact that Chris Smith wasn't there, Matt Dury, we had, you had players like uh, Corey Waddell, Adam Elliott, I mean, Elliott's used to the 80 minutes, I mean, Corey Waddell playing 80 in the middle of uh, opposed to being on an edge is much different. You, you've asked now more from uh, Luke Thompson, who actually sat down for six minutes at one stage for his first break and got back on the field again. Uh, you know, players like that. And you also had uh, Braden Wakeham, who came into the game as the first 18th man, as being act- uh, was able to be active. Didn't get used until the end, but yeah, last was the first minutes. one. Yeah, it was the first one to, yeah, bit to of, be used. Bit of history there. <laughs> So for my point I'm trying to make, we played with a lot of the game with 15 players. I know Wakeham came in. Uh, yeah, but to, to add to your point, Wakeham replacing Smith and Dury. Wakeham's a halfback. Yeah. He came on to play hooker. We lost two forwards. Like, it's, it's not comparable. It's like fantastic that you can... I'm, I'm not a, I'm gonna say, I'm not a fan of the 18th man, but anyway, uh, fantastic that we could use it, but it, <laughs> it didn't help us. No. It helped us it helped us the last five minutes because Deets got taken off. Yeah, and Katoa was playing. Katoa was playing in the back row. Um, yeah, the back row. yeah. But yeah. But I must yeah, so I must say the, the character it's shown then with the yeah, your fifteen players for uh well down to sixteen players basically for most of the match with Chris Smith, then fifteen for most the whole time second half, pretty much, and a big chunk of the what, like 15 minutes the first half or so uh, with that penalty. The only thing I was going to say, we didn't score a try in that period, was something that I was a bit worried about. Well, I was a bit concerned about what going into halftime. I was hoping it would go 24 nil. That's a yeah, very big you, lead. You, you, and wanted I was see, thinking, you wanted to see another try, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted to see one. Yeah, go 24 nil at mm. halftime or 22. And then I was, would have sat back feeling re- relatively confident going into the second. I obviously sat back. I was feeling good at halftime. I said this is okay. Then the second half kicked off, and then the nerves went back again, thinking that hey, maybe that we should have got an extra try there. And especially you know, when it... Cronulla came out uh, and scored in the five minutes after half time, you just went, oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're We've coming. We've been there and done that before. Here comes That's the sharks. Yeah, to add to your point there, um, Chris Smith played fifteen minutes, and Dury played ten. Yeah, so not even the full fifteen minutes. So other bench oh. players. I've seen him at a fungi played over 40 minutes in his first game in the NRL in how long? Three, three um, Bradley Dietz in his second game played over played 45 minutes, run off a tiny 48 minutes off the bench. And then other forwards, um, 
you had uh, 50 minutes for Katawa, 63 minutes for Thompson, 80 for Elliot and Waddell, and uh, Napa played 43 minutes, which doesn't sound like a you know, massive period of time, but it's more than he's been playing mm. uh, most games this week. Uh, this year, this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yes, exactly. He's been playing like 30 or 20, even yeah, high 17 20. minutes stints, I think, at them. Yeah. But, yeah, look that. And then um, I'll tell you what, uh, 18-6 after five minutes of the second half, you start to worry. You go, here comes the Sharks. You can tell they're coming. Um, and then with about six minutes to go, we're up 18-6. And I tell you, I took a big sigh released some air out of the lungs, and relaxed, Scotty. Mm. 30 seconds later, Cronulla scored, making it 18-12. Well, 18-10, and Townsend from the sideline, and I'm like, it's all good. There's no way Townsend's going to kick this. He's not that great of a goal kicker. Boom, through the post. 18-12, five minutes to go, and you're just like, my initial thought was, this is a golden point loss. It's going to happen. Um, And then... You know, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I think 70, gonna... 79 minutes and 30 seconds, my heart was uh, going nuts. <laughs> yeah, I was... <laughs> On the edge yeah, of the seat. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same. I said, this goes a going point and we lose. That's going to be the most heartbreaking. And I said, not just for the fans, but for the players. And it almost gets to the thing, can, are we good enough to even win a game when you're in that situation? Your tears for another reason. Yeah, and then when Townsend, I think, crossed one stage the disallowed try... I went straight through and I said, this is getting too easy. Then when I even see the obstruction live, I thought it was yeah, going to be green lights. I, yeah. was, I thought it was green lights and the ref, uh, it went to the bunker as a no try. Yes, it went to the bunker as a no try. The referee wanted to check it, uh, which is probably a good move because he saw it live. However, let it play on. Yeah, he played the advantage. He looked at it and then you could kind of see that he saw where it was and then just run it down, see what was going to uh, come out to it, and goes, yes, I can go to the bunker now and confirm if I'm right or wrong, uh, which was probably a good thing. But I, I was like, I can't see where he's looking. And then I looked at the replay. I the first looked at the replay. I looked at it, and then I just remember ki- kicking at the ground, thinking, ah, oh, this is not good. And then the commentator started talking before I looked at it again. It was like the fourth or fifth replay, and I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. Here we go. <laughs> you know, we've got to, we're going to get a penalty out of this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of things to go on there. Uh, this might sound a bit petty, but how long did it take for those points to come off the scoreboard on Fox League for the Sharks compared to one of our disallowed tries that came off yeah, a split that's... second after the call came up? Thanks, Fox. That's you know, funny. Uh, yeah. You're, well, you're biased star there. Uh, and the, they had to pull the them. scoreboard off. Yeah, they had to pull yeah. the scoreboard now, obviously, off. Obviously, there was a software problem and that's oh why yeah was, of course but that, yeah um, doesn't have an off uh, software problem and can bring it this allowed. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i hope that's not an omen um and the other thing how long was that first half it's like the oh. longest first half in history i think there was a, what, four five challenges or maybe not that many it felt yeah. like they were stopping well we had the the silbil and the the hias stoppages uh dogs had Three challenges and the Sharks had one, I think, in that first half. Yeah, no, yeah. I think we got two successful challenges, then got one wrong. Um, Luke Thompson, yeah. Uh, I think well, that's correct because I'm pretty sure we got to four challenges in the first half. Yeah, which is crazy. But I might be wrong, but I thought longest was... game for me the round was the Warriors and Storm game for some reason. The second half took forever to finish that one. I don't know why <laughs> that was took forever. Uh, but how good the Anzac Day jerseys are yeah. on auction. Uh, 
not just a great jerseys, the individual players' jerseys, sorry, are on auction, signed by your favourite player or the favourite one of the 17, I guess. Uh, some really good ones. I mean, some really good efforts out there. Like you said, Will Hopawati turned the clock back. That would be pretty cool. He was looking really good out there. I haven't uh, seen him from, like, uh, what's the word, manhandle or overpower a player with pure strength like that for years. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got Nick Kotrick's, Kotrick's 100th game. Mm-hmm. Cool jersey to get. You got Bradley Dietz in his second NRL game. I think that's a nice one. I've seen him in a fan guy. 100% winning record as a Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs player, so that would be a good one to get. Brandon Wakeham, uh, yeah. Nick Meany coming in 21. You know, he's a regular on the top-grade side, so he like, that's an unusual number for him to wear as a regular. Uh, then you've also, you know, got your favourites like Adam Elliott, I guess, in there. Your Luke Thompson, the English enforcer. So, yeah, so get out there, uh, bid half of the uh, the money. It's going to Bankstown RSL. The Bulldogs are going to donate half of it to Bankstown RSL. So it's all uh, for a good cause and everything. It's good. You get a jersey. And yeah, bid your way. It ends on Friday. So get out there. And if you've got the money, start bidding away. So I reckon let's t- talk about the players. Because mm-hmm. I've got a list of highlighted players who deserved a point or two, but didn't get a point or two because you know why? We played so good. All right, well. <laughs> Well, let's go through your list of players there. And as we do, Scotty, we already know who the points have been given to for yourself and mine. We'll reveal that at the end. But the players that are on either list, leave them off. And we'll talk to yeah. the players that aren't on the list. We might so, give away the, <laughs> the players at the end, but I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, so I was yeah, I was going to say I had a player I wanted to highlight that may have made your list. I'll say that. May have made your <laughs> list. So I want to talk about him. I want to actually talk about Sione Katoa in the first half. I thought mm. he was playing really good hooker. I thought his service was great. The stats, I looked at the stats. I think the stats, sell, you know, sell it or anything. He was very deceptive in the first half. I thought, you know, really, I think it was the best he's played all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good on him. The stats are not going to tell a story on that one. You just, I think it was just something I was watching and looking at. I must say, Will Hopawati, my goodness gracious, he was damn close for a point or two. He, any other game, he's probably taking the top gong. If you look at his stats, he's actually a little bit down. 19 runs, 187 metres. So yeah. He normally hits 200, but he had an impact. Yeah, he was just the manhandle of Josh Dugan. <laughs> he, Josh Dugan is a big centre. Yeah. You can say what you like about him. Josh Dugan's a strong, big, physically strong person. When Hopwhite had the ball there and went for the run, I thought this is not a good choice. I don't know, he looked a, a yard quicker. Just a little bit quicker. Just enough to be threatening. We've spoken about it looks a little bit slow. I don't know if if some sort of niggle's gone away or a bit of confidence, you know, for Hopawati. So I highlighted him. I want to highlight a, a player who came back from the rib injury, Nick Meany at fullback. Again, he, you look at his stats, eight runs for 99 metres, but he's so threatening in the attacking zone. He's safe as houses. You don't get worried when the bomb goes up. You're like, Nick's back there. Uh, the one tr- uh, tackle break, line break try, he looks bigger as well. I, I think he looks yeah, he's, bigger he's this year. Got, he's definitely got more size on him, yeah. Yeah, so he's... He's not being just, pushed, picked up and held up and pushed back as much anymore. Yeah. Has been a real big improvement in that part of his game. Um, but yeah, he's the typical fullback style, close to the line. Um, good to see him get over for a try. Yeah, that try was strength, determination, 
speed, and I think that sh- that just size he's just added this year would allow. I don't use a couple of years ago. I don't think he might have, may have scored that. They might have been able to. He might have been able to run for a gap, but you know, going through tackles and stuff and slam the ball down, which is I think he was enormous again. And I was thinking with uh, Dal and Watani Zalesniak out, yeah, I was that, thinking, that was oh a, no, yeah, that was a real down. It wasn't a down. has been playing well. It was really sad to hear. That he wasn't able to play that game. But back on the reserve list for the next game now. So Yeah, so they're, they're the three players I'm going to highlight. Yep. I had more, but I can't but, say more. But they're on the list. Yes, <laughs> I can't say more. So Alrighty. I thought we could go one for one and then yep. go into our... Well, how do, you want to, how do you want to do it? Normally we go uh, the point, the person who got one point each yep. and then the person who got two point each. But do you want to go the opposite way? Well, yeah, we go the opposite way because I've got a feeling. Not more than a feeling. <laughs> well, I've already I, said we know, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. So I'll yeah. announce it this week. You've yeah. given two points to the same player that I've given two points to. So he's got the bonus point as well. It's Luke Thompson. He goes to 14 points overall and is now the outright leader in our little, uh, was it, podcast player of the year, um, leaving Dallin in second on nine points, Nick Meaning in third on six points. Got to say about Luke Thompson, first prop to call the captain's challenge and win it, or at least by the way the the uh, commentators carry on anyway. Uh, six minute stint, uh, six minute stint on the interchange bench, played the whole entire first half, had a, a couple, a ten or fifteen a second, and sat down for six minutes, then back on again. You just know when he's on. I don't think the stats tell you how good he was. Mm. I think the stats. How good he is in defense. Uh, 36 tackles. He's good. This guy is still like, you know, I think he's going to get better. That's, I think, the the good thing for us because he's still trying to get that match fitness up. And he's well, playing that... 63 minutes as well. So he might be able to even push longer. Do, I dare, do I dare bring up the hot takes? <laughs> the what? The hot takes from earlier in the week. Ooh. Um,. I, I put out there on the Twitter world that at the end of Luke Thompson's career, he'll be oh, yes, higher yes. esteem than James Graham. That's right. I did see that. Actually. I feel no. pretty confident. <laughs> no, but the way he started the season, and I actually went to bed last night, and as I lay down, I just thought when we actually found out, mm. but well, the thing, I just went, he just won the man of the match on both of our awards every game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Every it's game. 14 points in three games, yeah. Yeah, he's won the man of the match. Oh no, he no, won the man of the match have. every no every my game. Sorry, every time yeah. I picked he's won the man of the match, but he's been on the sorry the point score. I was going to say he should be on fifteen, so he's coming on my list at one point once. Yeah, and I've given mm. him a man of the match every single week, so I've just written down against Parramatta, Luke Thompson man of the match. Mm. I'm just got to figure out who my one point is for the next match. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right, let's uh, go to the one point. You go first. I'll give him the one point to Dylan Napa. I fought an outstanding first stint the 20 plus minutes he played in the first half running with power running with force looked unstoppable i part of the reason i get opted for him for the point when we're looking our best in attack was thompson and napa in the first mm. when napa's first stint, getting us meetage he just ran he just looked like he had no worry about nothing else but then in defense you saw the talk about the try saving tackle he put on in the first half running across the field no right to be there type of thing was there. Uh, so that's yeah, absolutely. But like 14 runs, 139 metres. He made over 100 metres in his first 20 minutes. Like 
He didn't get as much ball in the second half. Obviously, Cronulla dominated the possession in the come, second half. Before you keep reading the stats there, it's come out afterwards that um, Thompson and Napa challenged each other as well heading into the game. Well, good. So I, I think that shows how good um, what Thompson's adding to the team. That wasn't yeah. happening beforehand. Napa's following Thompson. It's, it's worked out really well. Trent Barrett even spoke about simplifying his game, and that's good for me. Napa's best. He doesn't have to worry about the game management or anything like that. Let uh, Flanagan, let your dummy half, let the spine worry about that type of stuff. You know, run hard, run straight when you're when you're attacking. Tackle hard when you're defending. If he can just do that, and uh, Flanagan, Avrilo can you know direct him when they need him in the attacking zone to do that. He's a good player. That when he goes well, uh, it just felt like you know. He, he looks young. He looked like when he was challenging the Burgesses a couple of years ago as a rooster, and he challenged mm. them, and he put, a, he put a target on himself one week and said, I'm going to go after them. And everyone said, that's not smart. And <laughs> But it was smart. He played one of his best games. And mm. I, I must say that was up there with his uh, rooster's performance where he played 80 minutes at lock. Mm. Uh, he played a much more... He was much more aggressive in the stints, he knows, and I want to see that almost every week. I'm not saying the 100 metres. That was just outstanding at 20 minutes. That's just ridiculous numbers. But going off at 60 metres or something, 70 metres, and just running hard and straight at every opportunity, which he did. Second half, we didn't get to see much of it, but <laughs> we didn't see much of the footy either. So <laughs> more defence for him. So well Fair done, Dylan Napa. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, Dylan Napa almost got my one point as well. So I'd say he's uh, unlucky. Very unlucky to not get my one point. But I'm a bit surprised that you went with Thompson and Napa. Very mainstream. Everyone was giving Thompson and Napa the uh, the credit and well-deserved after the game. Well, um, uh, but very mainstream of you. Normally you find, a, you find a quirky one, but I think I might be the one that has found a quirky one. Yeah. But I like we, this one, though. Let's, let's, like have, this one. let's have a... I, I thought you would because <laughs> when you say it, if you get a bit of a shock but you actually go through the contribution in the game. And it, it reminded me of a David Stagg yeah, type yeah. player. Very, not, might not have been noticed by a lot of people. Um, very understated, hardworking type role, but has a huge impact on the game. And my one point went to Corey Waddell. Now, I can almost hear the gasp of the listeners <laughs> listening to this, Scotty. But how about we have a little listen of this? 80 yeah. minutes, 12 hit-ups, 125 run meters, 66 post-contact meters, three tackle breaks, 32 tackles, one try assist, and one line break. And he did all that under the radar. Uh, and he did all that playing in a position right in the middle of the field that he's not used to um, in that lock. How could you not compare that type of performance to a David Stack? Well, that's it's not that's... it's not the Josh Jackson fifty tackles, but that is an incredible night out, and I wanted to recognise one of the quiet achievers in this team on uh, Saturday. And I think Corey would—I don't think you could really argue that Corey Waddell doesn't deserve a point there. Yeah, I'm not that's... saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that I think you could really argue that um, he doesn't deserve one point on the Player of the Year awards for that. Yeah, I was going to say you. It did come unnoticed because I could tell you the uh, Daily M's had uh, three points for Hopawadi, two for Thompson and one for Napa. So, yeah, so Napa and Thompson, a lot of people saying that. Uh, yeah, Corey Waddell, quiet and stuff. Those are the players, though, like David Stagg. Like Stagg, he would do your 50 or 40 tackles or whatever, but just be that little bit extra in a 
attack what no one really notices. He doesn't always get the 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 magic pass or whatever. But yeah, Corey Odell for try assist, adding a little bit extra, taking pressure when you got those type of players and you know you got to lock like Corey Odell. Like we, I must say, he hasn't been a great season for him. He, no, no, it hasn't I, I at all. He struggled uh, a few times this year. Well, the team has really so no no lock on him. But um, yeah, I don't think he's played to his potential at all or what we've seen in the past at other clubs. But Memory, yeah. Saturday night, very well. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was a really good game. And I love it when a person, you know, you know does their job, mm. might not get the media attention. So well done on the pick because I love a player, you know, just yeah. kind of does it. Everyone's like, oh, Luke Thompson, Will Hopper-Whitey's turned back the clock. Nick Hotrick's on his 100th game. Nick Meaney, I've yeah. seen a few fans even said, hey, he was actually the best player. Safest houses at back. Got the oh. try. Uh, it's normally a pick that you'd associate with a Scott pick, I'd imagine. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I but, love those yeah, picks. But yeah, well, I had to give it. The, I, I had to give it to him up. I, I think I've kind of challenged him on the podcast as well in the last couple of weeks. Yes, saying we know we could better. So I think he's answered. Listen to the podcast as well. So that's why <laughs> I'm he's, he's coming on to have a chat with you. No. <laughs> oh, welcome, welcome. Absolutely, of course he is. Every anybody who has anything to do with uh, any of at the club past present future uh, always welcome to uh, have a chat here uh, obviously they do a lot more than we do just having a bit of a laugh behind a mic yeah, <laughs> yeah much more much more <laughs> all right scotty um got a, got a bit of great rap no we've got oh we, of... we've missed the news we've missed the news and this one's a good one i, I don't know about you i read it today mm. wasn't shocking news it wasn't really but brent naden the penrith center has agreed to a two-year deal starting in 2022. So he'll be coming with Matt Burden. They might take an Uber together to Belmore. I don't know. Uh, so that was announced today, was it? I heard last night that it was uh, going to happen, but it's official now. Official. Okay. Bulldogs, NRL, tweeted about it. It just creates a little bit of, uh, you know, a bit of an extra spice to the rivalry, especially with a... Uh, for next year against the Penrith Panthers. We already got Jack Harrington. Corey Waddell's a Penrith Junior. Darlin Watanay's a Lesniak was a Panther. You now add Brent Naden to that list with Matt Burton, who's already on his way uh, to the Bulldogs. Some may say we've got our centre combination there. We might have a Burton then. <laughs> <laughs> might be more likely to be Avarillo and... Um, yes, I oh, yeah. And uh, Naden. Yeah, um, yeah. Interesting decision. How do you feel about it? Uh, definitely a talent. Obviously, missed the start of this year with a cocaine use suspension, which is uh, not great. Uh, puts a bit of a sour taste in the mouth, but as a as a player, it brings a lot. <laughs> I don't know how many people do cocaine in the mouth. It's normally up the nostrils. I have to put an explicit on this episode now. Um, yeah. Um, Lost the train of thought. How do you feel about the signing of Naden? Oh, I actually love Brent Naden as a player. Uh, grand final situation. He was close mental health problems, and I sometimes you can go, oh, oh what a what a cop out type of thing. He's actually treated himself really harshly. The reports were saying that he wanted to be in reserve grade at the start of the year. To he was happy to drop back and earn his way to the side. They signed Paul Momogrosky, which has kind of put him down in the pecking order. I like, wonder but it, if he'd be happy to do that knowing what was about to happen. Yeah, <laughs> he'd I not be able to get back in the squad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like that attitude. He mm. stuffed up. 
he had um, a bit of racial attacks at, in that year before the finals, just before the finals, where play uh, mm. uh, people were kicked out. If we talk about his playing ability, yeah, he's let um, he obviously let some a lot of people down with his actions. However, you look at his playing abilities. Charlie Staines in his debut match take Brett Naden out of there. Charlie Staines doesn't get as many tries. Some look at how many times he passed him the ball and did a lot of lead up work before that actual Charlie Staines try. Not taking away from his awesome debut and scoring that many bloody tries, yeah. but he's a talent. He's got some strike. He's got a bit of size. He's got a bit of speed. Mm. He he's tough. Um, yeah, hopefully. as a player signing, mm. awesome. As a player yeah, signing, I can understand people's concern off field and. Look, That's I agree fun. with you. He's still, he's still really young. He made a mistake. Hopefully um, he gets the off-field stuff right and he can reach his full potential. Uh, he's got the potential to be a superstar. Uh, Katoa has played at Penrith too, hasn't he? Was he? Sione Katoa. Sione Katoa. I was thinking of Tui. Sorry, because oh, we're talking about outside backs. Uh, uh, yeah, Sione Katoa was a Penrith oh, oh, Sorry, well. as you were talking there, I, was just, I just had an envisage of next year, Katoa passing the Burton, putting a kick up and later scoring for the Bulldogs. He gets Penrith. You can hear it now, hey, Canterbury Panthers, or <laughs> you hear yeah, those type of chimes coming. I can understand. Panthers have got an awesome junior base. Yeah, yeah they can't keep them all. They've got Steve Crichton. You can't keep Steve Crichton and Brad Layton. You can't have two centres of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't fit that into a salary cap. And they've also chose to look out and sign a centre as well, who's be, yeah. very talented, like a very talented centre. It'd so. be like trying to keep Greg Inglis and Israel Folau under the same cap. Oh. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know what that was about. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Brent, well, but with uh, Naden, I don't like. I don't know if you can almost this arrogancy tag tag at Penrith. I was noticing this a lot last year towards the finals. I was some of the actions the players were doing in the dressing rooms. Uh, you can say that, oh, you're just a Bulldogs fan and you're sitting bottom of the table or you didn't make the finals in the last whatever seasons. I think it was seven, actually, but that makes me depressed thinking about that. Um, anyway, making finals footy, you can say that, I don't know if maybe his action was done. You know, he went from Brent Naden was a top-grade player to Brent Naden is a great center. Like, he is awesome. He is this. Uh, a lot of those Panthers players, like Jerome Lulwai, I knew some people were talking about his defense would be an issue and he would never make NRL. Then from that year to next, to 12 months, you you fast forward the clock. He's in the grand final against Melbourne Storm. He's got a, He's been selected in the Origin squad. A lot of the players went from nothing or very known, not well-known apart from Penrith knowing him to being absolute superstars and faces of the club a lot of young people who get rocketed up from playing a, in a new south cup game in front of 500 people mainly family and friends to then making nrl debut packed out uh blue bet stadium at penrith uh then playing finals footy and stuff like that i know the COVID stuff and people actually watching because i love watching penrith play mm. i actually love watching them play i don't like the way they carry on after every try yeah. i that's my opinion take thing i just wanted this brent naden thing if it came with a bit of cockiness, you know, I'm Brent Nate, like, you know, if that's a thing and I was a smack in his face, he seems to be taking it, like, you know, his actions after it seems to be well. It mm. might have been the sometimes you just need to make a, a dumb mistake to put yourself back where, you know, you belong and you're not untouchable. Like, a lot of those players, wouldn't, Brent Nate, who would have fought two years ago, we wanted him. And then that 
to you who, window. Who was he? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> Two years ago, never yeah. even heard of Brad Mate. Yeah, at least yeah. if you're a keen eye watching New South's Cup as much as you can, Fox League don't show them all. You mm. can go. This guy looks good on TV, and you don't see all the other games. But we wouldn't know that two years ago, in that short period of time in his life, he went from being a park footballer to being a professional footballer, into yeah. playing grand finals and it's being so, spoken about rep sites. So that's I'm just thinking maybe the rock. Sum it up. Good signing. Yes, a yeah, great signing. All right, Scotty. Uh... Bulldogs versus Eels, the arch rivals this weekend, Saturday night, 5.30 kickoff at Stadium Australia. Can, can we go two in a row? Oh, absolutely. We lost six in a row, so we're, on, we're about to start winning six in a row. Well, I reckon we'll win the rest of the, no, I reckon we'll win the, rest of the season. Uh, how good would it be if we were able to, um, to beat the Eels this weekend? I'll tell you what, as, as long as we compete, I'll be really happy. Um... Eels are like you know they're one of the gun teams in the this season, unfortunately for us. Um, I'm not sure if they still will be by the end of the year, but right now they're one of the elite teams of the comp. It's going to be a hard task, uh, but hopefully the confidence gained from last week uh, can make us competitive. And you never know with arch rivals, whether it's Canterbury and Para, East and Souths, uh, St George Illawarra and Cronulla, Brisbane and North Queensland. <laughs> doesn't matter where they are. Melbourne and Manly. <laughs> Sorry, I had to add one. Norths and Manly. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter where they are on the competition table. Um, these games just hit differently. Anybody can beat anybody. So uh, let's hope. Yeah, I was going to say, we've, in the past, like, last couple of times, we, last year we lost twice, only by a handful of points. It's only the one try, the season opener, Last year, what felt like an age ago before COVID impacted everything. Uh, we so it was a one try, a couple of penalty goals, very tight. It was probably, if you're not a fan of rugby league, that game you probably weren't going to be a fan after that one. But as a Bulldogs and Eels, it was tough, it was brutal. You even go back to last year where Jake Avrilo had 97% of his body outside the field and still was able to ground the ball. We lost that by two points. So it for some reason it gets a bit ugly, it gets a bit messy. I love it. I love that type of style. It's not pretty on the eye if you're new to the game, but I think it's an awesome thing. Uh, we did beat them a couple of years ago at Bank West, our first time going going there. Uh, we had them. Eels couldn't lose. Then Canterbury made them lose. Then Penrith came out and beat them not long after. So they lost two in a row. Uh, against arch rivals at that stadium when they couldn't be defeated. Something about the Bulldogs, I think, look at the Eels' side. They're full of talent. You've got Gutherson, as you can have your opinion on him as you want, or Mitchell Moses, whatever you want, as what they're like. Uh, Ferguson and et cetera, the list goes on with the Parramatta Eels. I think, though, with the majority of those players, they don't like a tough game. They like it to be pretty. They're very easy on the eye type of watching players when they get free range, when it's sunny, it's good, or when it's dry weather. Mitchell Moses loves running a lot. They've been playing really well, not taking away from them. But I think, you know, we've got to be not afraid to ruffle the feathers of the Parramatta Eels. You know, putting a bit of kick pressure on Mitchell Moses would be a start. To, you know, just get him off his game a little bit. He likes, you can tell that he gets absolutely filthy if he gets touched a second after he kicks the ball. 
and he's someone who wears his heart on his sleeve, and that can sometimes go against him. You even look at the nines where we beat them. Argue with the touchdowns. He spent half the half arguing for forward pass calling that we went on to win the game, and then he still went back to the touchdowns at full time and was just absolute filthy. So sometimes he, that can be his... Uh, as much as that makes him a good player, that he wants to win and he wants to be at everything, can sometimes be his Achilles heel. Uh, Dylan Brown, almost the same type of thing. Not as emotional, but he doesn't like to be, you know, ruffled up. He doesn't like to be put pressure on him. We, I don't think he likes it if a couple of players started chasing him on five and last. Gutherson, he's someone that doesn't at all. You know, I'd be putting up bombs all night and making sure he fills a couple of shoulders. For, you, you know, you'd be telling Luke Thompson to be running hard and hitting him after he catches the ball. Uh, just stuff like that. Like, I think if we can do those little things, I know it sounds crazy, but they really frustrate the crap out of Parramatta. And that's the type of team they are. They don't like to be frustrated. At the moment, they haven't been. They've been so good against opponents. So it's not going to be easier. It's easier said than done. They've been able to run away and play the way they want to. But yeah, I don't I think they're someone who doesn't like it when it gets tough and grinding. They hate that grind. Fair Where enough. Think... What's your yeah. thoughts? Uh basically what I said before, they're one of the elite sides in the comp right now. It's gonna be up against it, but anything can happen in these type of games and hopefully the confidence from last week will make us at least uh with in it. Um, for this game. I was just about to go for the team lineup. I just have a little giggle to myself. You're saying Dylan Brown doesn't like being chased. I had a Benny Hill type vibe in my <laughs> image in uh, my head of Dylan Lava running away of about four or five Bulldogs players chasing in a straight line. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all it sense. <laughs> I just go on my little things. Anyway, um, team lineup. Nick Manny's the fullback again. It's the same 17. So Nick Manny's the fullback again. Um, same 17 that played. Nick Mini, fullback, Nick Kotrick, Uh and Toa on the wings. Will Hopawadi, Corey Allen, centres. Haas, Avarillo, and Flanagan. Forwards, Napa, Katoa, Thompson. Back row of Elliot Smith and Woodell. The bench is Dietz, Otani, Sinemanathange, and Dury. Uh, and on the reserves lifts, it's uh, Wakeham, Stimson, Watelli, Zelezniak, and Ogden. Unless... Must say, well, you obviously got the question mark over Matt Dury. He's got to do a return to play. Uh, he looks all right at full time, though, in saying that. Uh, yeah, but it's game. not really an indication. It would be interesting. Uh, something that we didn't discuss at the Sharks game was the tackle, wasn't it? I was, um, oh, I pulled it up. I just didn't go into detail. Yeah, yeah. I was a, should have been a send I'm just going to say, should have been a send off. Move on. At first, just watching that on live, I disagreed at first. I thought. Thing. And then when I broke it down, watched it in replays and stuff like that, mm. shoulder to a head, what's a shoulder charge? It wasn't a, a wrapping tackle. If it was a wrapping nah. tackle, I could live with it on report and just that's a penalty. He didn't, have his, he didn't have his arm out. He had it tucked yeah. to the side. Uh, so no use of the arm, plus it was tucked, which is the classic thing you look for for a shoulder charge. And it was shoulder to the head. Yeah, that's a send-off. It, it should, should have been a send-off. When anyway, a shoulder charge makes a contact to the head, that's a send-off. Because yeah. I think if he was rapping and made a rap attempt and he hit him in a chin, I yeah. could live with an on-report penalty and move yeah. on. But yeah, so Dury, Chris Smith, of course, is another player who will probably come under question Same. mark. He didn't finish the game for the HIA. Uh, Dietz couldn't finish the game with an ankle injury. However, he was supporting his uh, old team, North Sydney Bears, on Anzac Day. He was at North Sydney Oval the next day. There you go. Nice. Got him on Instagram. Got caught. Uh, <laughs> no, but how good? Uh, how good's that? Uh, you know, met up with some of the older 
old friends and, you know, good pathway. Keep playing. Not exactly the way they would have thought it would have worked out, but hey, he's playing top grade, so it would have been good to catch up with a few of the guys. Uh, we know Wakem can't be 18th man this week. Yeah, is that an actual rule that has to be rotated? Yeah, I knew that, that was... was how it was supposed to be when it was going to be a developing player. I didn't know that was part of the rules now that it's a top 30 player. Yeah, because I think they still can't because a lot of them played reserve grade the same day. Which doesn't matter because Jacob Little was 18th man for West Tigers against yeah. Manly. I know it's not a big deal. He actually played, played for majority for uh, Magpies yeah, in the New South Cup, their New South Cup side. So off to, a little bit off topic. Dallin Watney's Lesniak, I'm going with that pronunciation still. He had the knee inf- the knee infection, uh, so he was actually spending time in hospital through the week and stuff. I think the only one who wasn't really at the game due to that the, uh, the severity of his injury. He's looks like he's been given the green light. Now, surely, I know it sounds weird. There's a good old saying, you don't change a winning, a winning team or a winning formula. If you've got it, why change it if you don't have to? But surely he's in there in that 17. And not surely he's in the 17. He's in the starting 13. Yeah. But is he on the wing or is he at fullback? Surely he's going to be playing in that, in that back line. So where is he going to be sitting on the weekend? I'll be gobsmacked if he's fully fit to play and he's not playing against the Eels this week. So that's a headache for Barrett because I thought he was one of our better players. Then Nick Many comes and plays at fullback and plays a classy game. I'll describe an absolute classy yeah. game at fullback. So what do you do? Do you put Nick Many to the wing or center? Or do you have Watanay Zalesniak come in at fullback because he's been playing blinders at fullback. He's been throwing his body through brick walls. It's a hard question, <laughs> um, but I'd say what my opinion at the moment is whichever way you go, you stick with it for 80 minutes. Don't swap and change, but I don't think it helps those type of players. Meany yeah. and Watanay Zalesniak are better playing that position for the full 80 than swapping. Yeah. They're, they're not the type of players. I'm not, I'm not against players swapping, throughout games, but it depends on the players. I don't think it does them really good. That was my next thing. I was going to say, do we go for a swap through the game or at parts of the game or half-time, full-time, or half first half, second half, sorry. Can't swap at full-time. That'd be silly. Because the game's <laughs> over. But yeah, uh, it surely he plays if he's fit. It's been given, the early reports say that he is. Maybe he has another week off. That's a bizarre I suppose injury for Dallin to what he missed last week. Uh, I'm going to set a challenge to people. This week, we've we haven't had the best crowds this year. Uh, I saw one of your tweets actually with the if we don't see success, we could be one of the teams on the on the radar. Can you just go for that tweet for a second? Because I'm going to set a challenge in a second. <laughs> Look, um, the idea of it. I was asked to do some hot takes for the Bulldogs. And we shared them on the yeah. NRL Bulldogs. I wonder who that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I didn't actually know what a hot take was, so I had to <laughs> Google it. Um, so I was looking for something to create a uh, argu- uh, conversation. Um, yeah. Front of debate, yeah. Most of them I agreed with. This one I didn't agree with, but it's a possibility. I don't know if I didn't agree with it because I don't want to see it happen. It's probably more likely. But we haven't had success for such a long time, and we've been right at the bottom of the ladder for a few years now. Um, and I was looking at expanding. Basically, I put out there, if we remain where we are for the next five years or so, five to ten years, 
that will take us out to 12, 17 years of not making finals. Does that put us in a position where the NRL may look at relocating the Bulldogs out of Sydney? Yeah, so I want to set the challenge because a lot of it comes with crowd and commercial bringing people in. We've had this year 5,000 against Panthers. That's fair. You had to swim to the game if you... Some people were still stuck swimming in at full time. Uh, then you had 5,000 against the Storm. Some people said because it was a late move. It moved a while ago. I could still understand. But there was that, still that little bit of confusion if you could use your membership card or is this still a members game? Is it going to be on tickets and everything like that? Uh, the Good Friday game, we hit 23,000, which was actually one of the smallest Good Friday games. It was actually good to see a crowd back from COVID. It felt like there was 60,000 because of the fact that COVID happened last year. It's Saturday night. It's not traditionally the biggest pulling crowd night. If you look back on teams' history, you see me Fridays and Fridays and Sundays are your bigger pulling ones. I do remember a few years ago, and when I say a few, it's probably about 10 now, we had a random night where we got over 30,000 against the Eels on a Saturday 7.30 kickoff. So this was a friendly time slot. It's 5.30 p.m. kickoff at Stadium Australia. It's a stone's throw away from Parramatta for the Eels fans who are coming. Don't know if they listen to this podcast. Maybe they might this week. They might want to get their opinions, whatever. What the Bulldogs are thinking, I don't know. Uh, so they're only down the road, and they're playing good footy, though. So that's the point. They're playing really good footy, so they should be able to pack out a big contingent of the crowd in the away supporters' bay. The Bulldogs, yep. they're off a win. Belief is there. Uh, it was a gutsy win. There was character in the Bulldogs win against the Sharks. Bulldogs and Eels never go to script. It, when Eels are meant to win by 13 plus, sometimes the Bulldogs win, vice versa. Or when Eels are meant to put us away, they it goes to the wire. It just doesn't go to script. So it's always a good game. I'm going to set a, cha- a challenge of this, right? We have to minimum get 18,000 people at Stadium Australia at Friday night. So if you're a member, listen to this podcast. If you're not doing anything Saturday, get there. The jersey flag's on earlier as well. So it's a double header. It's Bulldogs and Eels in both grades at Stadium Australia. That's awesome stuff. 18,000. I think that's a reasonable request. With how the Eels are going, they should be able to have no problem of getting 5,000 of their own or 6,000 of their own fans at Stadium Australia. Surely we can have put 12 to 13,000. Therefore, I came off my 18,000 mm. 18, number. The weather at the moment looks okay. Looks good. We've had some good weather. It's not too cold just yet as well. It's those nice 20-degree days. A little bit nippy in the morning. Gets a little bit cold at night, though. But throughout the day, it's, it's a good time to be out. So 18,000 at Stadium Australia. That's the minimum pass mark for me. All right, let's do it. I was thinking 17, but there we go. There's a the challenge oh, at 18. That's actually pretty what, cool, that one. What, <laughs> while you were uh, going through your challenge there, I'm just uh, pre-booking my parking for the night. Oh, there we <laughs> so go. there you go. I'll be there. I'm going to actually fix for reminding me because I'm driving in for this one as well. There so we I'm going to pre-book my parking as All well. Right. Scotty, I think we got to move on, hit the low grades. Yeah, we're going to hit the low grades. Jersey flag, good night at uh, Cogra. For the Bulldogs, they pulled out a win as well, 28-12 against the Sharkies. There again, like I said before, the Bulldogs will verse the Eels in this uh, round eight clash at Stadium Australia. That's before the Bulldogs and Eels NRL game, 3.15 p.m. kickoff. So get in early, support the under-20s, support the top grade boys, or under-21, sorry, and the uh, top grade boys, and let's make a double. Let's go for two wins in that night, so that'd be awesome. Uh Harvey uh, Norman Women's Premiership, 
the Mounties, the girls won 62 points to eight against Glebe Dirty Reds. Uh, good win, eh? Good some some points out there. It's uh, good to get one over Glebe. Um, I'm I'm a supporter of Glebe returning, but after taking that record off them that we, we didn't want, <laughs> uh, good to see us get, uh, even through the Mounties, get one over the Dirty Reds. They're going to play their round eight match against the West Tigers Sunday at 11 a.m. this week. Uh, round seven, unfortunately, the Newtown Jets 30 defeat the Mounties 14. With that side, there was no Brandon Wakeham or Lachlan Lewis in the half, so it was a very much makeshift half. There was uh, some players moving around just for those who are interested. Round eight clash, the Mounties will be versing the Eels on Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m., straight after the girls' game. Uh, just want to add Lachlan Lewis is named to make his return after he was named in reserves but cut due to they giving him an extra week. So I just wanted to add the fact that those who are interested look taking Lachlan Lewis a couple of weeks a lot longer than anticipated, but hopefully he makes a return on Sunday. And we, I'm wishing him the best, assuming that concussion was absolutely nasty that he yeah, got a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, so that's the lower-grade watch. Now, this part of the show, this is an interesting one. You messaged me last night when I was doing some prep for the show. This is all you all you and your bugbear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, let's take it away. Uh, I've got... Okay, I've just I pulled the, pulled the lead on the mic there. Sorry, um, but let's get into it. Uh, it centers around Kyle Flanagan. Now, one of these hot takes was that Kyle Flanagan has the potential to be a ten-year player at the Canterbury Bank Bulldogs. Yep. Now, it created some discussion. A lot of people disagreeing, which is fine. Fair enough. Um, but I feel like he's been unfairly judged and unfairly targeted. Let me just go through what I've written down here about Kyle Flanagan, and then I'll give you, Scott, as the right to uh, reply to anything I say and have have a bit of a response. None of this for the listeners. You know about none of this apart from the fact that I wanted to speak about Kyle Flanagan. Yes, correct. Okay. Kyle Flanagan, age 22, has had 36 first-grade games. Nine at the Sharks, 20 at the Roosters, and seven at the Bulldogs. He's in the first year at a new club at the bottom of the ladder. He's been asked to shoulder the vast majority of the kicking this year so other teams get to target him, knowing that nine times out of ten he's kicking. So much so that three games this year he's kicked for more than 400 kick metres, and two games this year he's kicked for more than 500 kick metres. Now, I'll prefix the rest by saying this first. He does need to start running the ball more, and he's only got four try assists this season, um, which needs to improve if he's going to be an elite halfback. I also think his games against the Cowboys and the Sharks were the worst of of the season, so the last couple of games. So he's got a lot of room of improvement yet, but don't write him off. You look at someone like Nathan Cleary, who's known as an elite halfback at the moment, and say, well, he's only 23. Look what he's achieved and what he's doing on the field. But remember, Nathan has played 106 NRL games. Wow. Throw in the state of origins. He's played six origins. I didn't write that down, but anyway. Kyle was stuck behind really good halves at Cronulla when he was young, and he was given a rough go go at East. He hasn't had the same time to develop. And remember, Nathan has only, Nathan Cleary, that is, has only started being consistent, consistently an elite player 
I'd say, in the last 24 months. And one of the big criticisms of him before this period was a lack of a running game, which he has really worked on. He also played playing at a side his forward pack matches or wins the battle with the opposition most weeks, something we currently don't have at the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most good judges of rugby league players say that you can't judge a player. You can't judge a player's full potential until they play 50 or 60 games. Earlier, I said that Kyle's played 36. Now, I think the potential of Flanagan is quite high, and he does have the ability, to, if he takes his chances, to be a 10-year-plus player. But some people have written him off completely, and I'm not sure why they're so quick to do that, given all the facts that I've just stated. So I'm publicly backing Kyle all the way. Go, Flan. Uh, I'm 100% behind you, uh, and look forward to seeing you develop your game in the next couple of years, mate. I must say, this is the best segment on the podcast. I've loved it. a lot of uh, passion and... You've driven some stats. You've got your arguments and you've made some clear points. So I'm shocked. I had no idea where this was going at all. So <laughs> am I meant to argue with you now? or It's completely up to you. Say, just react the way you want to react. But okay. um, those, are the, those are the stats and those are the facts as I see them. Uh, I don't think it's a fair comparison if you're comparing Leif and No one has compared him to Leif and Cleary. I'm just using Leif and Cleary because he's 23 and Carl's 22. Um and obviously, someone like Sam Walker is, you know, a freak. is the is the exception to the rule. But um, yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything I said there, I stand by. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm actually. This might. I'm gonna add this. Nathan Cleary playing for the Penrith Panthers. Uh, played alongside uh, Brian Toller. There's that famous photo. Uh, Jerome Luai which they've been able to form the half combination for Penrith these last two years. So they've played together for a, uh, for a long time. They've been able to develop and they've pinched like Viliami Kikau, who on the way they've picked him up on the way they've progressed with Penrith for their 18-16s and pick up Kikau on the way through. They've Dylan Edwards has been there for a long time. And the only one who hasn't in the spine really been there for a long time with them is Coruscant. So three other four people in the spine they were comfortable with before playing NRL. Flanagan went from Cronulla to Roosters in a year. And let's face it, he was, he was good. He had a good year. It was really good. It, you couldn't say he let anyone down. Uh, he played with superstar players like Tedesco, like, come on, I could play next to Tedesco and I'd look better than what I would. But I'm not saying I wouldn't be an outstanding player, but I'd be a lot closer to it if I had Tedesco being my fullback. So to add that, and you said with the Ford pack, James Fisher-Harris is the one I'm missing. That's the one at Penrith who's been there for a long time, who I thought was 30, by the way, because he just looks very angry. And it's not a point. But grew up with the Cleary and stuff like that. So to add to you, you had Fisher Harris, you picked up Kiko on the way, To'o, uh, Jerome Luai, Dylan Edwards, pretty much a big core of Penrith players. Uh, part of the excite- excitement came through the 20s, the, the under-18s stuff, SG, Howard Matts, all the way up to NRL together. So playing with people you've known for years, and they picked up players on the way through slightly, who but they picked them up young, Penrith, has given Cleary a 
a platform and probably why he's accelerated through his thing at the age of 23. Mm. So much easier to go into a football side. They kind of say, I don't know, when you play park footy or, you know, you play, you know, whatever sport and you're playing with your mates, somehow you just get a little bit better. Mm. You just don't let your mates down type of thing. No, it sounds crazy. It's a professional sport. Flanagan's came to Bulldogs this year. Like you said, we we haven't won off really much at all at the Ford battle, except mm. for last week. Um was probably the first time we've done it all year. I agree with what you're saying. Like I was just writing some of this stuff down. 36 games of NRL. He's 22 mm. years old. That's crazy. That's he's only. I, I don't want it to be. Didn't want it to be a comparison to Cleary's situation. Oh. I was just using him to point out a few differences uh, between someone who's deemed an elite player and somebody who's still learning to find. But I think Kyle Flanagan's been in the public. Um, like people have known about him for much longer and probably think he's played a lot more games than he actually has. He hasn't well, had yeah. any sustainability in his NRL career at all. Um, he's just a pup too. Top level. Yeah, he's still learning his trade. I think he's got a long way to go for sure. He's like someone said he's not doing anything right now at an elite level. Yeah, yeah, well, might, might be correct. But he's played 36 games and he's played seven for us. Well, he's <laughs> like, shown... Let's judge him when he's on 60 games and he's played... Um, 30 for us, I reckon. That's what I'm saying. Um, how many at the Roosters? 20. 20. Okay, yeah. 20 at the Roosters? Yeah. Other 20. Yeah, other 20 mm. at Roosters. He played, I would say, safe to say, 17 really good games. Where He, he, he played in, solid. He wasn't like anything like over the top. He had some really good moments. And he was a, really he was a solid first grade player. Support play. He played nine games at Cronulla. I do remember some highlights and stuff and watching him. I actually watched, I think, his first one. Or one of his first ones where he came in for, I believe it was Sean Johnson and played at 5'8 and playing outside Chad Townsend. He's playing with a half partner who's Jake Avrilo. Talented, absolute talented freak that Jake Avrilo is. Never played 5'8 before in NRL mm. as well. Mm. Uh, you've got, uh, if you use this, I'm going to use Nathan Cleary uh, thing. He got Jerome Lulai, who he's played with forever. Nathan Cleary. It looks like he's played him for a few years. They're really good friends. Then you look at their backup 5'8", Matt Burton, who's playing at centre. He's an absolute freak. I've never seen anyone kick the ball as good as him. So there's your second 5'8". Uh, then you look at your third probably selection of 5'8", Tyrone May at Penrith, who Nathan Cleary is really close with. They've said that he's, they've got a good relationship with each other personally. Very different to him coming to this year to the Bulldogs. Probably doesn't know much of Jake Avrilo until he, he actually gets to the Bulldogs, doesn't know much of the other players, coming to a struggling site. I 100% agree with you. I didn't know this was going down this way. I actually think it was... I was more shocked that people are writing him off, to be honest. When you started talking about people writing him off, I'm just sitting here writing notes like, who? I'm, am I missing something? I know that he hasn't... He's... The poor guy has been given the hype of, you know, the Bulldog saviour. That was the... Obviously, like Channel 9. Yeah, uh, it looked, the, the signing with Roosters for three years and only lasting a year and... Roosters being such a big, successful club at the moment and all that, I reckon a lot, like a lot of people, probably be shocked to find out he's only played thirty six games, yeah. and that's including this year. So I think we'll move on there because you're not really arguing against me. So I can't. Agreeing. I just I uh, really which can't. Is, which is nice. Um, but I'm yeah, right. I, I I just can't see why. Like he's we couldn't get a try without him earlier this year. Try assists. He was doing all, mm. all the try assists. I know he's only got the four. Well, he, but like, he had one a couple of weeks ago and three in round one. But... Yeah, against Newcastle and all that. He's yeah. obviously, if he's doing three in a game, he's talented. His kicking game 
is my biggest critique at the moment. But when you're down in confidence, you go and to the you're, safety. You're, you're doing 85% of the kicking yourself. There's no other option. Everyone's attacking you and locking you out. Yeah, uh, you go for the safety Not locking option. you out, but lock, like, taking you out of the play every play. Look, and I think Jack Overlow each week, sorry, is just getting better and better in the sense of that he's yeah. kicking a little bit better. He's playing a bit better at 5'8". Yeah. Once he gets even slightly better again, Overlow's got some really talented kicks that I didn't know he actually had. Yeah. Until against Melbourne. So So my main point out of this is let's not really let's a point, him. but let's get behind him, let's support him, let's have some positivity about the place and not get stuck in the negatives all the time, especially if a young player fighting his way in the game. Well, he handed out his boots to a fan as well. Yeah, I mean fantastic. it's nothing related to what you're talking about about games. No, and stuff. He, he's a, he <laughs> seems like a good guy, yeah, absolutely. He seems yeah, like he a nice guy. guy. Uh, if you're listening, Kyle, um sounds like I speak for Scott when I say this too. We're 100% behind you, and hopefully you will be a 10-year-plus Bulldog player, future captain perhaps, uh, future premiership winner. And, um, yeah, 100% behind you. But let's move on to Old Dog. Old Dog. You don't know who Old Dog is this week. No. So no, I haven't. That means we have to go back to the guessing game. Oh, okay. There's a, few. Be... There's, there's a few, isn't there? Power played at yeah. Canterbury, yeah. I was a bit a bit stuck on this one, but then I picked someone who I actually did some research for, and he played 174 NRL games, 113 of them coming at the Bulldogs, mm. as well as being an international. He played keep, for Australia. Keep going, I'll jump in when I can. Yeah, he played for, he's played a game for Australia. He's also represented Samoa. It, he's, yeah, it is Renny Matua. You're dead set amazing. He doesn't. Know. He I, I, doesn't. I was actually, actually going to go a little bit earlier, Renny, um, but uh, I thought I'd hold off. I was actually surprised. I was just looking through. I used my Rugby League project to get my games and stuff to make sure the numbers are correct. Uh, the boys who did the Rugby League uh, project, yeah, great website. Ed, Andrew Ferguson, great work, mate. Yeah, he's an absolute nut. In a, in a good way, uh, knowing his stats and stuff like that. He's David Middleton 2.0 almost. Is it an improvement on... Statistical uh, nut. I don't know yeah. if he'll take that in the right way. <laughs> uh, I hope he does. I mean it in a compliment. But I was just going over this uh, player's career, and I just sat back and gone, well, I've watched his, you know, his entire career play out, Rennie. Talented from the get-go, the young one on the interchange bench. Uh, in the 2004 Grand Final win over the Roosters. Uh, he played for Australia. He played games at centre for the Bulldogs at some stage because of injuries. He then had to move on to uh, Cronulla Sharks before playing for the Eels. Uh, then coming back to Bulldogs to finish his NRL career uh, before he only played the 15 matches in uh, over in England, including uh, championship match uh, championship match with Featherstone. I was actually surprised that he only played 174 NRL games. He was talented. He was surprised that he never got a look in for Origin. He just had a bit of electric about him. And then when he came back, when he signed for Canterbury in 2014, I thought, well, this is a bizarre signing. But he went from the reserve list of the Bulldogs into, as in New South Cup player and earned his way in a change bench spot. And he just adds something. Renewitz was a player dynamic he still had that ability to play in the centers he still had that ability of running he had a good running game as a second rower he was quick i think he was deceptively quick a lot of the times when you see a back row move that quickly 
some players underestimate the, how quick he can move. Uh, I thought he had a really good career. Premiership winner. Yeah. Rennie just... Matua. Definitely a fan of Rennie. Nice guy. Met him a few times. Um, had, had a couple issues. Well documented off field um, in the mental health space. Yeah. Uh, gonna... So good to see him doing so well now in uh, post-career. Uh, you also... Said over in England, he played for Featherstone. He also played for Salford, Lee, and Toronto. Yeah, yeah <laughs> in that yes, competition. Um, you do it so quickly. You're already on the phone. Uh, I'm all, I'm already on rugbyleaguproject.org. Um, <laughs> do they want to sponsor uh, us? <laughs> I think they're looking for money, not looking to get all their money. Um, well, as I say, Rennie Matua, one of my favourite players in that uh, early, well, not sorry, mid to to late two thousands. Um, I love the fact that you could throw him in that. Second row, lock, centre, five eighth, and you do a job for you. I reckon he was a true bulldog, and the biggest mistake he made in his career was leaving. Yeah, going to Cronulla, and he you got can that year you can, ban too. You can yeah with with that problem, but anyway, um, the fact that he came back to the Bulldogs as a player that. <sighs> In the nicest possible way, the start of 2014 should have been playing off the interchange bench in the New South Wales Cup and played 13 games for us in the NRL and actually contributed and um, started to find some really good form again. Uh, shows you, in my mind, that he's a Bulldog through and through. He should have stayed at the Bulldogs. Um, and I've actually listened to a few uh, other podcasts that have had um, a couple of players on from that time period, namely uh, Willie Mason and Reddy Matua. Yep. Um, Mace I haven't takes. heard. Sorry, Mace takes. Sorry, his podcast uh, yeah. is now. I haven't listened to that for a while, but yeah, um, they've even mentioned Sunny Bill. All these type of players, they've all said publicly that they regret leaving. That they should have stayed at the Dogs together ten years plus and gone on to win another two premierships at least uh, with that team. So, you know, the team got ripped apart. Um, and they said one of the the bad parts they said was that they won the grand final so early in their careers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really, all those players should have stayed together, but particularly ready. Um, but yeah, got on to bigger and better things. But yeah, I really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, I I just love Ray Matua. Like he was a. I know it's a weird saying when they say he's a footballer, and it's like we go, well, no crap. Like he's playing football mm. on the weekend. But like, what I mean by that is you put him anywhere, he'll do a job, and he's not position-focused as such that it felt like he never complained when he had to play centre as starting at wearing the number three jersey or if he's playing 5'8". He had talent. He knew he could pass the ball. He could uh, run, and he had a bit of a... He could, he could kick it. He's not the worst kicker in the world, so he had a bit of the all-round bit. So when, obviously, when a lot of the times, so he's obviously a team man, when an injury happened, you know, sometimes you get no choice, but for him to do it as often as he did, if it's finishing off a game in the back line or starting mm. games in other positions, uh, just goes to show that the team first mentality, that it's best for me to be the one being shifted out. I know it's, some, it's documented some players are like, are you serious? I have to go from there. You look at someone like Willie. If I could use Willie Tonga, another superstar Bulldogs player in the early 2000s, uh, he could have been another old dog this week, actually, Willie. Uh, you, I remember a game where he dropped back on the wing when Utah got injured. And my goodness gracious, he was a different, complete different player. He was at center. He owned center. He was a, a center through and through that he was so comfortable. Got taken out of his comfort zone 
on the wing and he was making some silly um, things that mistakes and stuff, you know, pick it, should I pick up the ball? Like it was a bit uh, scratchy under the high ball. And then that's when we saw people like Jerome Lewisi, when there's an injury to uh, Matt Utai, it's better to get him off the office center onto the wing because Willie Tong is such a superstar center that, and he just struggled a bit where Randy Mitchell was that type of player where it's like, Hey, you know, I'll do it. You know, I'll just do it because it, and think he knew how to do those jobs too. He just did it, and he picked up, and it's just those type of things you need in your team. You need those workhorses, but you also need someone, you know, puts the team first, and you know, one week playing center, the next week they might be in the back row or on the wing, the, like, you know, using the utility value and, you know, to balance the team out. So, yeah, that's what, how I'll describe him. But before I wrap up, one of my favorite things, actually, I was lucky in 2014 to go into the sheds after a manly win where we are written off, can't beat them, Bulldogs are losing... Uh, Hodko and all that. And we had Michael Ennis, remember that one? Playing halfback. Uh, Tony Williams, partnering him in the thing. And Rennie Matua was there that day. Got to go into the sheds and got to talk to Rennie Matua. And I first question I asked him, I said, are you going to be around at Canterbury next year? Because I said, you know what? You've definitely earned it, an opportunity to like, you know, be around next year. And he very thankful. He said, thanks for you being so kind. He turned around. And I was wondering what he was doing. And he said, he pointed at Des Hasler and looked at me and said, hey, ask him because he was the club's option. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny. He was a, it was a character off the field. In, especially um, we met him that year, that member's year with the kids and all that. He was so good. He had a bit of personality. He was he looked like he enjoyed those interactions with fans. which yeah, sometimes he loved, he loved being there. Yeah, he loved being there. So that's how I would sum up Renny Mature. And that means we're going on to our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram at NRL underscore Bulldogs fans. Our Facebook page is NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. Uh, if you, and if you want to send us an email feedback or need any help or any inquiries, NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail.com. See you on Saturday at Stadium Australia.